Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast by Youthopia. Join me in meeting the youth of Singapore who are making a positive impact to the world around them. Our guest for today is Emily Ting. Emily is a former radio DJ that founded the globally recognised community organisation Blessings in a Bag, or BIAB for short. So BIAB aims to bridge gaps between communities through providing support in running programmes, providing necessities to the community and mentoring volunteers. So hi Emily. Hi. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. Um, tell me a bit about yourself. How did you start Blessings in a Bag? Great question. I started Blessings in a Bag when I was 20 years old, which definitely makes me feel very aged right now. I don't think it really started at 20. As I've gotten older, I'm not sure if something clicked or fell into place all at once, but it was really a series of events. You know, um, my upbringing Mm. in Australia, in Indonesia, in Singapore, um, my education and all these sorts of things. But also I believe in taking inspired action, um, thinking about how I could invite people within my sphere of influence to get involved in something meaningful and recognizing that while at the time I was just one person, 20 years old, that I really could get started where I was. Um, And I think what led me to my work is the painful experiences of being othered in high school, feeling like an outlier and a misfit for many years after that. And, you know, I landed a career after graduation as a, as a media personality with my own radio show by the age of 17. And that's when I started to understand or maybe formulate in my mind, like, you know, I can use my voice as a force for good and a voice for unity and a voice for community building. And so I started exploring the different ways um, uh, around that. Um, But I knew I was always motivated. Um, I still am to this day, 10, how many years has it been? 10, 11, 12 years on about, you know, shifting mindsets and perceptions around volunteerism and leadership that it's it's not because we are so-called privileged that we get to serve others, but answering the question, you know, what will you choose to do with your privilege? How can you give your seat or invite someone to the table who may offer a different perspective or a different lived experience? And how can we transform volunteering to be less about chalking up points for school or making your resume look attractive, which is very um, almost self-serving. And I wanna shift it to one that thinks about the community and places others before self. And a quote that I go back to is, is one by Robert K. Greenleaf. He is the founder of the modern servant leadership movement. And he said it best when he shared the servant leader is servant first. It begins with a natural feeling that one wants to serve and to serve first. Then conscious choice brings one to aspire to lead. And that person is sharply different from one who is leader first. And so that pretty much sums up, you know, the mix of of what brought me to really starting Blessings in a Bag at 20 years old. I want to touch on that point a bit because I think there's kind of a couple of things to unpack here. It's really interesting because I think, first of all, at 20, when I think about um, where I was at 20, I definitely <laughs> was not starting my own global community initiative. So that's really impressive. Um, tell me a bit more about, because uh, you, you mentioned that um, 
there were a series of events. You always knew that you wanted to be in this space, but there was a series of events that kind of inspired you to kickstart this initiative. So tell me what was that specific kind of moment that you knew, oh, I really want to start this movement. And what motivates like a young person to take on something so big at such a young age. I think that's really impressive because I think a lot of us even, I would say I'm now in my mid-twenties, I'm not sure what I'm doing with my life. So yeah, like break that down a bit for me. Brilliant question. I love it. Um, I'd like to address that question of, you know, how did I create this global movement? How did I create this award-winning nonprofit? How did I set out to do all these things that I've now done. And I think going back to where I was at 20 years old, I had no idea. I was naive. I was young. I was fearless. I didn't start out with these ambitions to, you know, uh, be honored by Singapore's president. I didn't set out with the goal of being honored by Facebook, you know, Sheryl Sandberg and Mark Zuckerberg's team. I had no concept of what global even was at the time. I just knew that there was something that I could get started. And I think it's it's so important for young people today to recognize that we don't build movements like this, organizations like this overnight. And I think if we do, then we almost set ourselves up for failure, uh, you know, overwhelm. And we're just sort of like wondering, how do I even get from A to Z when the Z or the dream is so far-fetched? You said it best, you're still young. And so it's really starting from a lens of curiosity. What is the problem that exists? What are the challenges that I have lived through? What are the pain points that I would like to see solved or I would like to be part of the solution? And I think starting from there, from something that's small and meaningful, it can then grow um, with time. But I really feel very strongly about addressing the fact that a lot of young people um, think that, oh, I'm just going to be like ambitious and I have these huge dreams. I think it's important to have vision. It's important to have dreams, but also recognizing that um, it can also be a hindrance to getting started because we're like, well, I don't have this. I don't have a degree in social impact. I know for me, I don't have an MBA. I'm not like, I didn't go to the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy. Who am I? You know, the question of who am I? Um, And that fear can also lead to us not taking action at all. So I really want to address it. And I think it's such an important question that you asked, Nicole. So thank you. <laughs> cool. Um, I, I really think that there was a really interesting point. The whole idea of like, you know, being self-aware can also be like a hindrance to you starting any movement. And I think that we live in a time where our generation is quite, I would say, self-aware and they want to make an impact, but maybe they don't feel like they are worthy or ready to start something. So I do think that's really great advice. Tell me a bit more about um, Blessings in a Bag. I think what are the what is the aim or how did you start out um, with Blessings in a Bag and what does it want to achieve? What I started Blessings in a Bag or how it, it began is not what it is today. And I think it's important to highlight that. I mean, we started off um, 
we, meaning me at the time, me in my bedroom started off collecting donations in kind and then distributing them to communities of need across Asia. And we did that for a number of years. But as of 2015, I started asking more questions, following curiosity. Um, I wanted to listen more to other social workers and, and those in the social impact space in Singapore and recognizing that there's so much work that still needs to be done in a local context. Like, let's not even think about our neighbors. Let's think about what's happening at home. Um, and just a couple of months ago, um, so yeah, 2015, we decided to really focus our efforts on children and young people from vulnerable communities. And we now have a physical space in the heart of Singapore where children can really have access to alternative experiences, meaningful role models and mentorship and things like that. But we have just revamped our vision and mission. And so I'm excited to share it with you. Our vision is, you know, we believe that every child has a right to opportunities, loving support and space to build their dreams. We also believe in a future where every young person can shine their brightest, regardless of their background or circumstances. And I'm so excited to share it with you because you know we just revamped it a couple of months ago um, and how we actually do that today is we are a safe and trusted community space where children from you know the low income I I don't like using the term low income so that's why I say vulnerable communities can you know really be themselves learn new skills and grow into confident compassionate and kind young people and so our youngest is maybe six years old and our eldest is around 17 18 and they know that this is a safe space that they can return to week after week or even long after they have you know gone on to tertiary education that this is a safe space that they can um, find refuge in they have friendships they have a community of cheerleaders for them so that really is the heart of of the work that we do at at blessings in a bag yeah why is that uh, a focus for you in 2015 like what was the sort of I guess like um motivation for 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 you guys to go down that road I think it was a little half of it was self-serving because in 2000 13, 14, I was battling with overwhelm and I was actually hospitalized from burnout and I had to make some really, I, I had to ask myself some really difficult questions, you know, can I see myself doing this work, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, um, is it, is this the type of work that I want to be involved in? Is this the problem that I want to solve? Um, if yes, if no, then what if, you know, a lot of questions that I was sitting with. And I think that the switch was also an evolution of me personally. I mean, I started, you, you said it just right. I started when I was so young, 20 years old. What do I know? I'm like bright eyed, bushy tailed. And I think as you know better then you want to do better. And so the more that I was aware of the inequality that exist in Singapore, the more that I was made aware of, of the social issues and things that were really brewing and coming to the surface that I wanted to solve. Um, I knew that I wanted to focus locally. So it was a little bit self-serving. And then on the other side, it was more, yeah, personal evolution, right? It's just, you know, you're the saying, if you know, if you know better then do better. So yeah. I, I was going to say, like, I don't think it's self-serving at all. Actually, I was, I, I, I personally feel like that, like, looking internally, um, it sounds like you were looking internally and then, you know, kind of realigning 
the focus to fit the needs of the community a bit better, right? It comes a bit like hand in hand, especially since the organization is led by you. So yeah, I think it's I think it's great. Yeah, I love how you reflected that. And I think that maybe there's something that needs to be said for uh, young people who are leading organizations now or or wanting to start something is that just because you start something now doesn't mean it has to be that way forever. And I think it's really important to know that just as we humans grow and evolve, that the organizations, the projects or the things that we want to do or put out in the world can also um, have that space to grow, transform, evolve too. So you brought up a really great point too, Nicole. So thank you. You mentioned previously that uh, vulnerable communities are your current areas of focus for Blessings in a Bag. I'm wondering, is this an area that you've identified as, you know, uh, a pressing like societal, a pressing need for like change and along the way, you know, like trying to revamp Blessings in a Bag, what were some other like societal issues that you have identified that, you know, needs more help or work on? Yes, great question. Um, For me, I think the pressing societal issue would be education of the heart and soul um, and and what I mean by that is is an education that prepares people to become kind compassionate courageous curious and and loving wherever they choose and whatever they choose to to do in their lifetime and and I think it goes back to the mission and that vision that I, I shared earlier with with blessings in a bag you know a belief in a future where every young person can shine their brightest um so this education of the heart and soul, it's its really close to my heart because I, I want Singaporeans young and old to have a deep knowing that they can create new pathways of success and redefine what does success mean for them. And, and this means that, that we need sort of like a for lack of a better term, an education revolution where it's not so much about, you know, walking the path that others have already carved before us or, or living up to the expectations of what we should or shouldn't do. I think there is a lot of um, good work happening on the ground. But but the question I keep coming back to is how might we synergize um how might we synergize all of the efforts and be more collaborative in this space? And how might we discover the root of all these issues and challenges that we're all trying to solve? Um, how can they be discovered a little bit more upstream in the education space? So for example, I, I always say this when I have volunteer orientations or when I speak to partners, if we truly say that we want to raise a generation of curious, loving, empathetic, compassionate children, then the question that we must first ask ourselves is, are our teachers or are our leaders themselves curious, empathetic, loving, compassionate? Um, and are the environments of, of, of where learning takes place, are they set up in such a way that... <clears throat> Are they set up in such a way that there is psychological safety for students to to risk getting it wrong, to make mistakes, to learn by doing, to do things differently without any shame, without people saying, like, oh, my gosh, they're doing they're being a bit weird and they're trying something new. Right. Have we set up uh, the right atmosphere and environment for learning to truly take place. Um, I'm a little bit of a walking uh, quote dictionary. So I'm going to share another quote, which <laughs> is by Parker J. Palmer. And, and he shares, um, as I teach, 
I project the condition of my soul onto my students, my subject and our way of being together. And so that really sums up what I'm trying to say. You know, the question I would offer up to to people who are listening in right now as a source of reflection and contemplation is one that a dear friend of mine asked me a couple of weeks ago. And he asked me, Emily, what does your heart look like right now? Um, how would you describe the state of your heart? And so, you know, Nicole, the answer to that question is, is whatever you, you say to that question is what you end up bringing to your work, what you bring to your coworkers, what you bring to your life, to your loved ones. It's infused in everything you do. So if the heart isn't there, then it's sort of, you know, <laughs> are we doing it right to begin with when it comes to an education sort of space? Not sure if that's the answer that you're looking for, Nicole. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it's 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 really interesting because you touched on I think two really, I would say interesting aspects. One is that, um, you know, like youths today have such a have have such untapped potential, right? I think you're right. They have like the energy. They have like these bright ideas, kind of like unfaced by the world. And then they are on the opposite. I won't say end of the spectrum, but like the, the inverse is that we have all these people in the space, in the industry who have years of like experience, you know, they know how to get things done. And I think it, it kind of ties in with the fact that, you know, Blessings in the Back, you guys do this whole idea of like mentorship, um, trying to shape like the leaders of tomorrow. Why is that? I think I want to build on to the point that you were talking about. Like, why is that like important, I guess, for you? Yeah, so mentorship, relationship building. Um, the work that we are involved with at Blessings in a Bag, we're, we're all about mentorship and, and the type of mentorship that can only happen when, when trust, psychological safety, you hear me say psychological safety all the time and love is infused into the work that we do because we, we believe and I hope to invite people to believe alongside us that empathetic and, and deep relationships are our society's most essential form of wealth. And to put it bluntly, I feel that because it's really rare, that deep and meaningful and loving relationships are a luxury good or a luxury item. That's how I, I see it. Um, and I think why this matters mm -hmm. is that there is something to be said about um, the term called common humanity. Uh, Kristen Neff, who is a leading expert and researcher on compassion, she shares that compassion um she shares that common humanity is the understanding that unpleasant feelings are part of the human experience and that suffering is universal and so in this sense the work that we do when we see mentorship we view relationships we think about what is the common humanity that both our volunteers are navigating through and the children and the families that we work with it's important that the so-called grown-ups of today, our volunteers, recognize that that we are all humans at the end of the day who who want love, joy, peace, less suffering, um, and we're connected not only by the joy in our life, but also the pain, the struggles, our heartache, and our fears. And so, I really think it's important for industry leaders, as you as you say, the experts um, and the professionals to capture common humanity and use that as a way to be relatable, but also speak from that experience, their lived experiences and share that with the next generation. So I think it's really important because mentorship is really not only opening doors of opportunity to a career or to um, better education, it's about opening doors of possibility 
breaking through limiting beliefs and the opening of hearts. And so, yes, <laughs> that's what I believe that mentorship and the importance of mentorship and relationships are for, for young people today. Hmm. I wanted to touch um, a little bit about the point because I think it's really interesting. You mentioned that um, it, it seems to me like there, there seems to be this kind of gap in society where we there's no psychological safety or there's like no emphasis on like psychological safety, um, talking about like feelings, ability to be like vulnerable and things like that. Is this something that you think that I guess like Singaporean specifically, society is lacking or an area that we have to work on. I think you I think you uh you answered your own question that it's certainly an area that needs more <laughs> uh working, needs more marinating and uh needs there's always room for improvement, but I I definitely think psychological safety is that one thing that I feel is is missing or not necessarily practice in a lot of spaces you know you talk about education and schools and I know speaking from my experience I did not go to a local education system but from what I hear from my peers you know the question of is there even psychological safety in classrooms today for schools can you actually speak your mind or share your views or share what you're going through without the fear of other people judging you without the fear of being reprimanded or being told that this is not the right way and it, it spreads you know not just education but then also into other areas of 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 work and life within the singapore context um and I want to make it clear that it's not just Singapore that's struggling with psychological safety. There are other cultures and other communities that, that struggle too. But also when we look at the workplace, is there psychological safety as employees? Are we able to share our crazy ideas? Are we able to share that we're navigating bipolar disorder? Are we able to share that we have ADHD, that we are neurodiverse or that we're thinking about um, starting a family without fear that what we share will come back as a form of judgment or something's going to happen to us. Um, and I think that's definitely something that is, yeah, there's, there's room for improvement for sure for psychological safety. And Emily, my question is if let's say society does adopt, you know, um, these like psychological safety in, in their processes, right? What is the ultimate, impact we are aiming to achieve from it yeah what's the outcome um it really depends if you're asking from a lens of you know if you're talking about career and professional then I'm, I'm not yeah I will definitely say if you're talking about it from a career professional sense then innovation would certainly be one creativity the ability for people from all aspects of the organization to share their ideas share their uh suggestions share their feedback um it will improve innovation and risk and creativity um, and people will be less fearful of failure and risk taking. I think on the personal front, the ultimate aim for me, what I would love to see is that people would embrace common humanity. You know, we're all humans. We're all struggling in some shape or form. Um, we're all going through life. We're all going through it. And I think the aim would be to recognize that whether we're at school, whether we're with our friends from the neighborhood, whether we're, we're at a workplace, that um, we can find common ground in our humanity to, to hold, you know, empathy for one another, to have 
maybe even more courageous conversations that might not necessarily take place. You know, um, from my personal lived experience, it's it's definitely new to me to talk about politics, race, religion, and these are sorts of the things that come up in, in the United States that are more like very open here, you know? Um, people want to hear your thoughts and views. And I have been like the Singaporean in the room where I'm like, oh my gosh, is it safe for me to share my thoughts can I actually say what I really feel and and think and so the psychological safety for people to show up fully as they are whether you know you're dealing with grief or you you're 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 navigating something that's a challenge so just to be able to show up truly as you are would be the ultimate aim that I hope to see Mm. it's just before I go on to the aspect of you know talking about you I'm, I'm curious to know in in your journey of opening up or having the freedom to to explore such conversations, right? Have you found more, um, yeah, like how has that been like for you? Do you feel more free, like more liberated in that, in that way? I think, hmm, good question. <laughs> um, I think it's, first of all, it's important to know who is a safe space to have these liberal, open conversations in the first place. And I've certainly found it with a few Singaporeans, both living right now in Singapore and also abroad. But it's very important to identify, okay, who do I know has a capacity for these brave, vulnerable, not pretty, very messy conversations? Because we're not always going to have, like get it right we're not always going to speak in a very political way and so finding safety finding safe spaces whether it's in a friend or a small community is really important because yes it's definitely liberating because you will then find that there is other common ground with other people right that I am not the only one who feels this way I'm not the only one who is feeling burdened by these challenges I'm not the only one who feels so strongly and overwhelmed by what is happening I'm not the only one who wants to solve you know x or wants to do something about y and so I think there's something to be said both about having the right mix of community and then like feeling free to share your thoughts but I will say that when you do share and you have the engage in these difficult conversations that that we also need to check the privilege of where these thoughts and opinions and ideas come from too. So just being able to, to hold safe space for other people and then have safe space held for yourself as, as you kind of allow yourself to unfold and entangle and, you know, explore together. Cool. I want to touch a bit about you now. Um, I think whatever you've achieved is super amazing. Um, I was reading a little bit about you before <laughs> coming into the conversation. I think it's so amazing what you've done. Um, I'm really curious to know, I think, tell me a bit about yourself in terms of, I guess, after starting this whole initiative, why did you decide to move over to the States? And I think being where you are now and having lived abroad for a couple of years, how has exposure to like a culture outside of like an Asian um, one impacted you in terms of like identifying what are some areas of need that our community has and like yeah like kind of drawing that like cross-cultural like comparison like yeah back home I think 
Yes. The elephant in the room is always, <laughs> every time I connect with someone from Singapore, they're like, "Why? so why did you move? Like <laughs> things are going so amazingly for the organization and it looked like you were loving life. It's, it's, um, it goes, it's very personal decision, but I actually moved for love. I am now married to my husband. <laughs> Clearly I'm married to my husband. He's an American citizen. And, and we had to have conversations about, you know, where is best for, um, us, you know, it's no longer about Emily and then me making decisions or me making decisions for blessings in a bag. It's now really about we like my, my, um, my marriage partnership. And so I made the move and there's been so many onion layers that need to be unpacked around identity, around career, around purpose. And, and I think they're very similar to other Singaporeans who have then, um, left Singapore or living overseas. Um, there's definitely an unraveling of, you know, who you are and evolution and transition. So yes, long story short, people always ask, why did you move? And that's simply, I'm, I moved for love. <laughs> uh, that's, that's my response. I still remotely the, the organization today. Um, so I still do that, but I also show up in other ways now more liberally and freely. Um, I show up as a dream doula and, and I, I do that supporting other change makers and grassroots leaders and other visionaries um, to birth their dreams to the world without burnout, overwhelm, without feeling isolated and all of that. So that's currently what I do here. Um, but in terms of the question about the cultural context, I believe you asked and, and whether it, it has given me greater insight I think that in today's day and age, we can instantly dial into other people's cultures and living rooms and lived experiences through the internet or through, you know, social media. Um, I, for my generation and possibly yeah, your generation for sure, because you're certainly younger than me. I mean, you can dial into anyone's culture around the world. So it's really a question of are we or am I open to learning about other people's cultures and, and how they live their lives? Um as for how the culture has shown up through the organization or the work that I'm involved with, it means that I'm always now more than ever. I mean, I was always more conscious, but now I'm even more conscious because it's so commonplace to be talked about in America is the topic of diversity inclusion. And so I, as a leader, may not always get it right or do it perfectly, but I'm engaged in doing the work and, and learning from friends. And so with Blessings in a Bag, our volunteer pool is the most diverse group of people from the youngest being in tertiary education and our eldest, you know, being close to retiring. Uh, it's a mix of expats and Singaporeans or hybrids like myself, um, but it's wonderful that we're able to come together. And I think that another area of diversity inclusion is also the way that the children that we work with or the children that we support, they have a say about what it is they want to learn about what they want the program to be, what they would like to try, what experiences they have. And so um, that's just some, you know, practical examples, but to your question about whether it's emboldened me or liberated me or allowed me to be more free. Like I said, the conversations here are so like in your face about politics, race, everything in between. And so now when I speak to people back home or, you know, around the world, um, 
and someone makes a remark like, oh, Emily, um, it's because you're in America. I'm not a political person. At the end of the day, now I'm just like, you know what? Your healthcare is political. Where you go to school is political and where you where your food comes from and how you live your life. And so, um, yeah, for people who have the ability to say that they're not involved with political discussions or politics in their country, I think there's an element of privilege there as well to be addressed. So, um, yeah, if there's anything that I can do to encourage the person listening in right now, it's to, to you know, how can you give up your seat so that more diverse voices can be heard? How, who can you pass your microphone to? And who can you pull up your chair and invite to to the tables that you sit on? It's, it's really important. Mm. I think on that note, I'm curious to know, I think with um, Blessings in a Bag, it's a huge global project, right? Um, I think with how far you guys have come along, were there times where, you know, you felt like this was something that you couldn't manage or, you know, times that you felt like giving up or like the trajectory just wasn't going as you planned it to be? And how do you motivate yourself to keep going or to, to touch on even like new conversations? Like, because you, you mentioned that, you know, it's constantly, I guess the space is constantly evolving. Um, you want to talk about more things like race, diversity, inclusion. How do you kind of like change or like shape or bring the organization along with you? Yeah, what keeps you motivated? Really big questions there. I always feel like there's two questions hidden in there. Um, the first one was whether or not I felt like giving up along the way. And my answer to that is uh, yes, 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 yes. Um, I laugh all the time that people ask me this because I just have flashbacks and my hands get sweaty because I just remember <laughs> I was hot mess express. I was crying. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I mean, the... For us, we we pay rent to have a physical space in Singapore. And you know, the cost of rent and living and, and expenses is not necessarily the most affordable. But um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm human. So naturally, there's ebbs and flows in the journey of leadership and starting something. But with the organization, we've also had to go with the ebbs and flows and, and recognize that it's not always going to be hunky-dory or amazing and like mountaintops all the time that we're, we're, we're definitely always bracing for those valley moments where we need to be resourceful, we need to have some grit and we need to have some creative juices flowing to make things work. Um, it's really important for young leaders today, um, not just young actually, I don't want to just speak to, to young people, just really important if you are human, living, breathing today, to have a strong personal support system. Doesn't have to be a big community, but like I said, who is your safe space, whether it's friends or mentors, who can hold safe space for you as you hold safe space for many others. Um, also having a... a a level of self-awareness to know what is it that you need to, what what do you need to re-energize? What do you need to say no thank you to? What boundaries do you need to put up? Um, so self-awareness is really key. Um, and when I wanted to give up, the thoughts in my mind that I was going through was, woe is me. I'm just going to close the doors. Um, you know, <laughs> I just can't do it anymore. Cannot tahan. Um, but... I really needed to ground myself and remind myself that I was not, I was simply not honoring myself as Emily. I'm not honoring my needs. 
And it's a very common thing in the social impact space. I know a lot of social workers and friends who it's high turnover. Why? Because we are in this giving space. We're in a compassionate space. But if we do not intentionally ensure that our love tank is overflowing, then you know, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of time before we, we hit the wall. Uh, but what keeps me going, um, your question of what keeps me motivated, what keeps me going, it's, it's service for the greater good. It's a deep knowing that we need more humans in a world like ours. And how I say it is that we need high touch human skills for an increasingly high tech world. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what keeps me going is, is just, a vision of this more human loving world where leaders lead from heart and and people can lead meaningful lives. I know it sounds very fluffy, but it's it's definitely what what gets me up every day. My um I think I mentioned it to you to you and your team as well. I have this new dream, this new big hairy audacious goal of inspiring 1 million people to dream big mm-hmm. and small dreams for the greater good. So that's what keeps me going today, but um you know, the TLDR version, if you want to go there, is is uh, what keeps me going is transforming the world one person, one dream at a time. Hmm. I really, really like that. And it's segues perfectly to what I was going to ask you, actually. I think two questions again. <laughs> the first is, um, <laughs> I guess, what would you like other people to know about blessings in a bag? And the second is, what does the future look like for the organization and for you? Because you mentioned the whole 1 million people to dream, really ambitious goal. I think it's great to dream big. Um, tell me a bit more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. 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 The goal. So many questions. Um, <laughs> maybe what I'd love to share about Blessings in a Bag is probably very countercultural. Maybe it might make people go, whoa. Um, it's 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 like the the it's that the highlight reel that people see on Instagram, on the website and everything. There are a lot of challenges that go with that. And I think what I would really love to let people know is that there are very big challenges that we struggle with as a, a volunteer organization. And so one of those challenges would be a lack of psychological safety uh, when it comes to partnerships, (laughs) funding and support between, you know, external partners and nonprofits. And so groups like ours, we fear turning down much needed funding and we feel the need to please funders and grant makers or external partners because there is such a strong lack of psychological safety that exists when external partners and nonprofits communicate, you know, um, the giving in today's society is on such unequal terms and it's very common for you know Mm. a corporate or a partner to say hey I will give you x amount of dollars if you do x and you do y and you do LMNOP and it's happened so many times over the years you know people will write and say oh if you're not going to do this then we're going to go to this other group who will do it for us and I think it's just so heartbreaking um And I feel what I would love people to know about groups, not just for blessings in a bag, but speaking on behalf of other community organizations is that the most important question to ask is, you know, how can I be of, of 
the most help because community organizations, nonprofits, community leaders, they know what communities need the most. And I think there needs to be a certain amount of trust and respect from other partners coming on board that want to get involved in doing good. I'm not saying don't do good at all. I'm saying be a little bit more intentional about creating the psychological safety. The second thing that I would love people to know about when it comes to the challenges that we face as an organization is that caring for the community doesn't always have to involve reactive care. Um, We need to shift the mindset that in order for us to volunteer for a worthy cause, that it only can be something that, you know, something horrible has happened to this dog. And so I can, uh, you know, volunteer at a shelter because these are abandoned dogs, or I can only volunteer because a disaster relief mission is happening. Or you saw it with last year, you know, people came out in full force because the migrant workers was, you know, a huge topic, you know, but For years, decades, I would want to say that people have been wanting to provide preventative care for migrant workers, to provide community care. Um, And so I'd love to share is that caring for the community is something that we can each do and and carry out every day through how we show up for our neighbors, um, how we have hard but critical conversations. yeah, and that caring for the community does not have to always involve reactive care. It's, it's preventative. It's how we show up every day. Um, and then something on a nice positive note would be we're revamping, we're transitioning, we're evolving just as I am evolving into the next chapter and season of my life. The organization's also evolving. You know, we're, we're hiring uh, different paid team members, which is very exciting. Um, and we're hiring with the, the goal of scaling care and, and scaling love and, and humanness and all of the good stuff that we're involved with. And so we invite volunteers, you know, whether you can only volunteer on an ad hoc basis or you have a specific skill, there's definitely something that you can bring to the table, but come with a mindset of, you know, how can I be of, of most help as opposed to, you know, this is what I want to do. And this is how I see things being done. Um, we have a very ambitious goal this year. We have a give the gift of safe space campaign. It's our annual fundraiser. And so our goal is to raise a hundred thousand dollars to impact more children and young people that, that we work with. And so what better way than, than to give the gift of safe space through, through your dollars. So yeah, cool. I want to round up the conversation with just one last question about you. Um, what does the future look like for you in the space of like volunteerism? Um, wow, Nicole, you and your deep and profound questions, really. Um, I mean, I'm not a genie and I'm not a fortune teller and I'm not able to predict, you know, what the future really holds for me or for anyone else. But I can only hold on to the North Star that I have, which is why I'm so excited about my role as as a dream doula and supporting other change makers. I think for me, the future holds... um, Maybe, maybe I'll rephrase it, not so much the future hold, maybe what my future hopes are, which is that, you know, the organization will, will mm. grow and scale um, to do good work, whether I'm there or not, whether I'm remote leading or I'm, you know, in the background or not at all. I would really love to see that the movement continues with or without me. That would be like an incredible um, milestone. I think another future hope that I would anticipate 
another future hope would be, yeah, my work as a dream doula. You know, my dream is to inspire and support 1 million change makers, 1 million people to birth their dreams to the world. Um, and I know that if we, and I'm, I'm not, I'm saying we, because it's not just me, but everybody who's listening in right now and who aligns with what I'm sharing, if we can better support, um, the next generation of leaders to connect deeply with who they are, to develop a strong sense of self-awareness and to focus on their personal well-being, then we can truly inspire well-doing. And, and, and I am really clinging onto that North star of, of, um, yeah, helping people birth their dreams to the world in that way, in a very sustainable way. So, yes. Cool. <laughs> I think that sums up our conversation really nicely. I think for anyone who's tuning in, if you guys want to check out more about Blessings in the Bag, you can find out how you can volunteer at their website, blessingsinthebag.co. It's been really nice chatting with you, Emily. Thanks so much for coming on board. Thank you so much, Nicole, with your wonderful questions. Really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. This show was brought to you by Youthtopia. This project showcases everyday Singaporeans that have made an impact in our society. Have someone in mind? Nominate that person at youthtopia.sg forward slash impact.